Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cause we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. The offseason is officially here for everyone, Doug. Yeah, that's a wrap on the 2016-17 season. The Golden State Warriors, your champion, David. What did you think of that final series? I thought it was the most entertaining five-game finals that we've had in, in quite a while. Yeah, actually, it felt like there were more interesting games in these five games than there were last year in the seven. Even though you had the big comeback, like a lot of those games were blowouts, and, and some of these were blowouts too, but I'm with you. Uh, just a couple the the the... Um, the makeup of the Warriors and then LeBron on the other side and Kyrie. It was it was it was an entertaining series to watch. I thought, and it was also a hot take inducing. I mean, it, oh radio, television. It's all going to be pretty intolerable as we deal with the Kevin Durant and LeBron takes for the next couple of weeks. But uh, that's just that 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 comes with uh, that comes with the big stage. Uh, so we will uh, we'll see those and and you know I I will go to my friend Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks and he said on Twitter, imagine coming away from this series and thinking, yep, that one's on LeBron. Like as much <laughs> as he did in that series, uh, yeah. averaging a triple double, uh, basically carrying that team, and to come away with that and think that was on LeBron James, but. Um, all right, let's let's get to the Hornets. Workouts continued yesterday with a few prospects the Hornets could look at with their first-round selection, be it at 11 or possibly trading back. Uh, they hosted Louisville guard Donovan Mitchell, who a lot of Hornets fans, David, are very high on right now, and shooting guard Terrence Ferguson, who opted to play overseas in Australia in lieu of going to college. Uh, seemingly, all the talk around the 11 pick has gravitated towards Donovan Mitchell, the 6'3 guard, out of Louisville with a 6'10 wingspan. It was that wingspan measured at the NBA draft combine that has skyrocketed his draft stock. Hornets fans have been hearing all the right things about Mitchell and from Mitchell, and that continued yesterday when he discussed his priorities on the court. Um, playing at Louisville, you don't play unless you play defense. So um, in order to get on the court, that's the one thing you have to do. So I pretty much pride myself on that, just being the best defender in the draft. And um, I take that personally. You know, I won ACC, uh, all first team, all ACC, and ACC defensive team. I take, I like bragging rights over the defensive award as opposed to the other one because, you know, that takes heart and determination to do. Heart, determination, defense. Mm. David, that sounds like the kind of guy that the Hornets could use after last season where the Hornets ranked 14th in defensive rating and 23rd in points per possession compared to last season where they were top 10 in both. Yeah, I mean, he's just saying all the right things in any of these pre-draft interviews you see him uh, conduct. But, I mean, that's 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 got to be exactly what Clifford and a lot of the staff wants to hear. I mean, it plays right into their hand. I fell in love with this guy 
I mean, yes, it was this highlight video. Okay, Doug, it was all good stuff cut together, but it was like seven or eight minutes of it. And the it strength, all... the the Draft Express <laughs> the strength, strength video. Yeah. Yes, I also watched the weakness video. You know, you got to look at both sides. But like, I just think <laughs> what he, I think what he brings. You mentioned six three, but he plays a lot bigger than that. If you look at those highlights, because of that wingspan and his athletic ability, I mean, he can get up and finish above well above the rim. Did you see any of his windmill dunks or anything like that yesterday's workout? Well, I didn't because, you know, they always bring us into the tail end of the workouts, but uh, when they're just kind of shooting, finishing out their, their shoot around. But I did go back and watch some of the video that the Hornets posted on their website. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, he's showing off that athleticism and defense. I think it's interesting that they paired him with Terrence Ferguson, who is a 6'7", long wingspan. And Dozier. But, was Dozier in there, too? No, Dozier's that today. today. That's today. Uh, yeah. No, but Devin Robinson from Florida, also a tall and lanky um, you know, guard forward combo. So I think you could take something, you could interpret something there that they wanted to pair Donovan with these taller, lankier, almost almost a guard three forward hybrids to see if he yeah. could defend them and if he could score against them. And I know a lot of people wanted to see Donovan Mitchell go up against Luke Kennard to answer some questions about Kennard's defense and about Donovan's ability to score against quicker guards. But I think this was well enough. I mean, you got to see him, uh, you got to see him use that wingspan, and I think that that's, you know, because you could talk about six ten wingspan, but if you don't know how to use it, then right, you know, whatever. And, and 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 like to me, Doug, this guy is the one. His tape jumped out at me, kind of like John Collins did, just with the athletic ability. I mean, to be honest, that's one of the bigger things I'm looking at for the Hornets to add in this offseason. And I don't know how many opportunities you will have to add that in the NBA draft in today's NBA draft with how young these guys are coming in. I mean, to me, he's a guy in the mold of like um, <clears throat> Marcus Smart or a Jalen Brown, a guy like that, that the Celtics have been stockpiling over the last couple of years. And you see how their makeup of that team, they've got guys who can hit a shot, but can also defend multiple positions. And I think that's big for Donovan Mitchell too, because they asked him in one of those draft express videos, you know, what positions can he see himself guarding? And I mean, he's, he's thinking one through three, he's mentioning guarding Paul George. I mean, that's a small ball four almost. I mean, that that's going, that's spreading it maybe a, a bit thin. Yeah. But to me, but to me, that's the kind of player that you want to try and add uh, in the NBA fearless. right now. And yeah. Fearless, but that can defend multiple positions, can hit a shot, wants to be the best defensive player in the draft. Um, so, you know, I just feel like even in practice, he's going to bring an attitude and, um, and, and, a, and some hard work to this team. And like the thing that I was curious about, because in a lot of those videos, you can see some of the rawness on offense, especially with like the decision making um, and, and his offensive game. But he was based on that video. I mean, he was asked to be the main guy. So Patino asked him to be the star of that team. And he was able to be an effective offensive player. Um, a bit streaky at times and also, you know, do his best uh, to be dominant on the defensive end. I I just think like the Hornets have a big, big chance here to add a guy that um, you don't often see them uh, be able to grab in the draft. And and I think he's going to be there, Doug, like this is lining up almost too perfectly. Well, maybe, I mean, his, you know, he still has uh, several more workouts to go. He could impress someone uh, that uh, sits above the Hornets, like the Mavericks or the Kings. We'll have to wait and see. And a lot of people, I think, look at that 6'10 wingspan and they go, well, what is that? Why does that matter? Especially on a guy who who is 6'3". 
Well, the Hornets took a look at one of Donovan Mitchell's teammates at Louisville, Mango Mathiang, at that first draft workout, who had this to say about Mitchell's wingspan and what that does for him. You know, once you got long arms, I mean, you could cover, you know, some pretty big ground. And, uh, you know, with Donovan, he tends to do that. Uh, some guys will think that they went past. Next thing you know, you see these long-ass arms coming around and poking the ball out. <laughs> These long-ass arms coming exactly. and poking them all out. Hey, Coach exactly. Clifford spent some time with Mitchell after the workout, was over chatting with him one-on-one and using those uh, nonverbal hand cues that we've seen from Clifford time and time again on the bench. Asked about what was discussed, Donovan Mitchell was open about it. I'm just talking about defense. You know, in, in Louisville, it's, 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 you're doing something wrong if you don't go for a steal. But now if you're guarding guys in the NBA like, like Kyrie, uh, James Harden, even, even Kemba, you know, they're, they're known to swipe up and kind of rip through that, that contact and get a foul and just making sure you're not fouling as much is, big, is the biggest thing at this level. So what do you, what do you think about that, David? What's that? The, just his thoughts on defense? Yeah, the thought that the fact that Clifford over there talking to him uh, one on one after I the draft, it. talking about defense, talking about you know things that he needs to do that are maybe different from college. That's all of what he's going to learn on the next level, and that's all of what Clifford I think maybe hopefully sees that he can rely on this guy from day one. I mean, that's been the biggest thing with Clifford and rookies, right? Like he's a little bit hesitant to play them, probably you know mostly because of. Um, some of the deficiencies on defense and some of these guys coming out. But I think I, I, I remember back to, you know, when Jeremy Lin was here, not known to be the best defender, but willing a smart, uh, a smart player, you know, high bas- high basketball IQ and, and wanted to try. And, and, and Donovan Mitchell seems to me to have all of those and be more gifted athletically. Um, so I think he'll fit right in with what Clifford wants to do. Uh, I would love to see, and you know, another guy reminds me, not reminds me of, but, could maybe uh, fit in, in in a similar way that a lot of people like from a couple years ago, Doug. I think he could bring a lot of the things that Courtney Lee brought. Um, I don't know what you think about that comparison, but just to me, you know, the ability to hit a shot, to grab a rebound, to play some defense, be that 3 and D guy, I think he could maybe add that back into the mix for the Hornets. Absolutely, and it also tells me, David, that he's open and receptive to what made him successful in college and what right. will make him successful in the NBA and how those two things are often very different uh, in, in terms of uh, defense, you know, swiping at the ball, wanting to go for the steal. That was something that was prized at Louisville and prized in a lot of programs is, is making that impact play going for the turnover. And you saw him try to do that against Terrence Ferguson in some of those workout videos and that's going to get you in foul trouble in the NBA. And so Clifford, you know, just trying to seeing that in the workout and then trying to to give him some advice there. And, and that transition from college to the NBA can be difficult for college stars, especially um, mm-hmm. on offense in college. It's about shooting your shot, especially as a team leader. Uh, they you know, college coaches want their their star players to shoot, whether they're guarded or or not. Uh, Donovan talked about playing under Patino and getting benched against Indiana for not shooting enough. And um, he would run me if I didn't shoot. Like he'd put me on the treadmill and make me run. And obviously I want to be on the treadmill all practice. So I took any shot that I felt was open and it didn't matter if it was contested or not. And playing with that, I said that confidence. And I think it really, I really clicked from December until even, even until now I'm shooting shots that the game of the year is like, uh, I don't even see myself shooting. And I watched, I think I've watched every game we've played I played at Louisville at least three times, so I got I know everything that I've done in certain games, and it's just looking at the differences is tremendous. So 
So it was good for his confidence. But in the NBA, David, it's more about making the right decision, finding the open man, becoming the open man. And it may explain some of the offensive efficiency concerns that some have with Mitchell because he raised his three-point percentage from 25 uh, his freshman season to 35%, but his overall shooting percentage went down. His true shooting and effective field goal rate all rose because he shot more threes. But the question is, will that translate to the NBA, and will he be able to get to the free throw line better than he did in college? Yeah, I mean, one of those things, watching those videos you see are some of the, is that shot selection. And that's what I was wondering, think of that, you know, how much of that was just asked or, and it was demanded of them apparently, you know? So I think that makes you feel a little bit better watching that, just saying, well, they told this guy he had to shoot 20 times a game, right? And some of those were horrible shots, uh, but some of them he made. <laughs> um, I, I do think finishing, when he finishes, it's 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 beautiful, but you can see in some of the weakness videos, that um, if he doesn't get all the way to the rim or if he has a hard time with angles, he's not as successful and he's not getting fouled. So that's definitely something he has to work on. But all of this stuff, Doug, he has to work on. I just feel like you can teach. You can, he can learn. He can play with these guys like Kimba who are adept at you know using their body to get contact or to shield themselves and finish. Like He's going to be able to add these things to his game. You're not going to be able to teach that, that wingspan. You're not going to be able to teach that you know, elite athletic ability or the ability to guard three people. Um, and I think his shot can also improve. I just think the upside for him and the, uh, the teachable areas are much more achievable in a guy like Donovan Mitchell. And, but I'm glad, I'm glad he mentioned that because that is a part of that uh, weakness video that, that has to jump out at you. Some of those decisions and some of those shots are, are very college college star like, right. Absolutely. And I know you're sitting out there listening right now and going, so Clifford took Donovan Mitchell one-on-one, took him aside, doesn't do that with everyone. That has to be a good sign that the Hornets could make Donovan Mitchell their selection at 11. Well, I was talking with Justin Thomas, and he was telling me that Clifford did a similar thing with Devin Booker two years ago. So you can take that to mean a couple of things. Uh, Clifford definitely doesn't take the time to chat with everyone. Uh, but it it means nothing in terms of who the Hornets may or may not take on June 22nd. Uh, but you could That's also a lot of moving parts. Yeah, lot, yeah right. I yeah, mean. right. So I just don't want everyone to get you know too excited. But you could also take it as evidence that Steve Clifford has a keen eye for guard potential because Devin Booker is really starting to open eyes heading into uh, his third year. But there are uh, legitimate questions about his as much athleticism and as much heart and determination as he shows on defense, there are questions about his awareness, about his tendency to gamble. I mean, there are, there are fundamental things that again, made him successful. were probably encouraged by Patino at Louisville made him successful Mm -hmm. in college. But the question for the Hornets that they'll have to answer is, can he make the adjustments that are necessary to be successful in his first couple of years. Because look, if you're not successful in your first couple of years, then you're going to have a much harder time being successful overall in your NBA career. So, um, you know, if you think, yeah. And that's where some of these interviews I think are coming in, right. Or his willingness and some of the background work. I mean, that's what I I would assume that's what teams are going to look at. That's because none of these guys are complete. I mean, all these guys have questions and, and most of them are, how is X going to translate to the next level or how much willingness does he have to work on this area? Um, and like I said, I mean, to me, he, he's saying all of the right things. And I, it would be interesting to hear what some of the, the coaches have to say about that. But I will think I will say 
for Clifford to take the time. He was obviously, um, you know, as he mentioned, he's not talking to everyone. So he, I mean, he's a coach, you know, so he, so if he sees something or a teachable moment, he's going to get out there, but obviously saw something that maybe, um, some potential or excited him, you know what I mean? Uh, some stuff to work on in, in future workouts. So it is good, but you're right. It has, obviously has, has no direct bearing on, you know, what happens on draft night. They're also working out a couple of more uh, interesting second-round opportunities in Cameron Oliver from Nevada and Devin Robinson from Florida. A few people have asked on Twitter about Cameron Oliver out of Nevada, 6'8", 225-pound power forward, unheralded out of high school. He had a quiet freshman year before really coming on in his sophomore season. Scouts love his offensive versatility, his athleticism, and his shot-blocking upside. He scores inside and out. Oliver shot uh, 38.4% from beyond the three-point line this season. He hit 2.33s per 40 minutes. That was second. David only to Lowry Markinen, who's a pretty pretty damn good shooter. So that's mm-hmm. a good stat. Uh, so what's holding him back in the second round, I guess, is the question. I mean, you're 6'8", 225. you got a, a long wingspan, 38.4% from beyond the three. Sounds like everything you'd want in a prospect. Uh, well, questions about his motor, questions about his effort on every play uh, were evident in the film against uh, and his and his defensive awareness too. Uh, he recently told Draft Express that he knew what the scouting report said, but uh, that something changed after declaring for the draft. I asked him yesterday what that something was. Just doing this this process, man. Uh, this this man would have a great motor. That's all, man. And uh, over this process, I really evaluated myself as a player, as a person off the court, and this maturity level would really help me. You know, and uh, I'm maturing every single day doing this process, and this has been fun. And just no one gave everything to my effort. You know, I could be the best player in this court. You know, and um, just got to keep going at that. It's right now ranked uh, 52 in the on the ringer, uh, so definitely could be a player available at 41 for the Charlotte Hornets. David, what do you think about Cameron Oliver? Interesting guy. I mean, uh, I think a lot of these guys in the second round about these workouts, Doug, I wanted to ask you about this because we're hearing a lot of, a lot more names about, um, you know, a lot more names that are second round opportunities than our first round guys at, at this point. Is that a concern to you? Is it, or is it, is it, is it tipping what they're trying to do one way or the other? No, I don't, you know what I mean? no, I don't think so. Don't I mean, think we, so? no, okay. we have, no, I think we've got plenty of workouts left. Yeah. I mean, they're cramming okay. a lot into the, you know, they got sort of a late start. Now they're cramming a lot into this week, and they'll probably have more um, into the end of the week as well. Yeah. So no, I don't think I don't think they're tipping their hand at all. I think um, you know they went out and visited Luke Kennard on his pro day, so I don't know right. if if they'll necessarily get Kennard uh, in for a for a workout. But I think Cameron Oliver really interesting prospect. I think it's the kind of you know again if they keep their second round pick, they're not mm-hmm. known to do that. But if they do, I think this is the the kind of you know home run swing that they could make in the second round. And if you know he's the kind of player you you send down to the Greensboro Swarm and see if he do, can maintain that effort uh, in Greensboro, can maintain that motor, um, and uh, shows you some of the things that you you really like, like his explosive finishing at the rim. Uh, see if he can translate his ability to shoot threes at the college level to the NBA level, and then suddenly, you know, in years two and three, you could have you know a really exciting sort of Kenneth Fareed type of three four combo. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's sort of the high end of his of his upside. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the the song that I've been singing as add some of this athleticism and that type of player um, to their bench. You know, I mean, they just need an influx of that, in my opinion. Um, anywhere they can add that, that, that's what I think they should do in this draft, honestly. If they can double down on adding that type of skill, kind of like the Panthers did. You know, we talked about it around their draft time, how they hit on um, athletic, shifty, offensive guys with like the first two picks of their draft and, can, and completely changed the uh, makeup of their team really. And some of the things they can do NBA and NFL are totally different, obviously, but I think that's the kind of attitude they need to go into the draft with, to be honest. I just think that's a new makeup they need to try out for. So workouts continue today. They've got uh, Jaron Blossom game from Clemson. They've got PJ Dozier from South Carolina, and then they'll also host Justin Patton from Creighton. Uh, make sure you are following us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked On Hornets to get our coverage from the 2017 Hornets draft workouts. All right, everybody loves a good mock draft. In fact, I'm participating in one today for the Boston Globe. So I'll let you know uh, what oh, what we decide to do in that mock boy. draft. Yeah, he's all grown up. And the uh, the Locked On Podcast Network is getting in on the action by hosting its first annual Locked On NBA Draft. Each podcast was tasked with making a pick or maybe trading a pick over the last few days. So the question is, David, what did we opt to do and why did we do it? First of all, we should say we made all of our decisions together. We didn't necessarily agree with each other, but we were able to come to a mutual understanding on what to do. Uh, Second of all, we approached this from a perspective of what would this franchise most likely do given the circumstances that they face and their stated desires to win and get back to the playoffs. So we did not do this from sort of the perspective of what if we ran the team? We kind of tried to get into the the team's head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, third, this was a lot of fun, and we're certain that some, maybe a lot of you, will hate what we've done, and that's part of the fun for me, honestly. So please <laughs> make a sure. real life scenario, we right? Want to be as realistic as possible, right? So please make sure you send your hate and your love to us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. And with that, here's what we did. Um, with the 11th pick, we decided to trade back something that you and I have talked a lot about as being definitely an option for the Hornets in this draft if they do not fall in love with a particular prospect. And we traded with the Toronto Raptors, and here was the trade details. The Hornets received Corey Joseph, Lucas Bebe Nogueira, and the 23rd pick in exchange for Jeremy Lamb and the 11th pick. So, David, why did we decide to trade back? Well, first of all, tell me again how we approached for the trade. Let's let's walk it back all the way to, to step one. All right. Well, step one was, was that Toronto initially approached us with a trade okay. offer of uh, Jonas Valanciunas, and we decided not to take that trade offer because we didn't think adding another plotting center was going to really benefit this team moving forward. And then they reapproached us closer to our pick with an offer of Corey Joseph and Lucas Nogueira, two players that I particularly feel like would feel two very necessary things that the Hornets are looking for in this offseason in a legitimate backup point guard and a uh, rim-protecting center. Yeah, and so Joseph is a guy that we had uh, tossed back and forth between you and I um, around the time of that first draft offer, right? And we didn't think that they would offer up Corey Joseph with the status of um, 
of uh, of Kyle Lowry, yeah. uh, of Kyle Lowry, right? Like it's kind of a bit up in the air. But I think that was really enticing to both of us when that was offered up because, like you said, they could check the box for backup point guard um, and have that problem solved. Not worry about having to draft a young point guard, whether it's a Dennis Smith or maybe a Frank. Either one of those falls to them. And then we just didn't think Clifford would go into the season with, uh, you know, um, Briante Weber and another rookie point guard as the two guys behind Kimball Walker. So adding Corey Joseph was a big piece of it. Um, and the other thing was, you know, you still get that 23rd pick, which felt like a long way off. You know, it felt like you were dropping a long way. But if anything, Doug, it it it, it crystallized for me how deep this draft is, because as the picks kept going, it was still guys that I think could maybe add some value. Yeah, and we should say this, that there were there was not a lot of trade talk until we made that trade. We sort of got We the, were trendsetters. Right. We, yeah. And so I say that to give a little bit of context. It wasn't like we had, you know, 15 offers on the table and and it wasn't like teams were really will, willing to deal until that point. Um and also note that Dennis Smith did not fall. He went 6 to the Magic. Uh Jason Tatum did fall to 8th. Uh, and then, that, and then that, and that's when I was worried. <laughs> like, if he had fallen to eleventh, uh, we would have been. I would have been severely upset. Yeah, because we made um, we made the trade around that six pick once Dennis Smith left, and then um, Frank Nilakina was taken by the Raptors at eleven, and then Donovan Mitchell at twelfth uh, to the Mavericks. And I know not picking Mitchell is going to get under people's skin, but again, I, I just thought that the Hornets were able to add point guard help and. If you if you didn't follow Raptors basketball last season, Corey Joseph had an up and down year. Uh, there were times when when he was um, at that Jeremy Lin level, and then times where he was inconsistent. But I think you know he's young, still growing, and he's a perfect like he's a backup point guard, and he'll he'll probably be a backup point guard for the rest of his career. And I, I think that uh, he could grow in that role. Now he does. Let's talk about contracts first of all. So Joseph, I, that was the other thing when we when we wanted to make a trade. We wanted to make sure that the Hornets were not adding any more money in the future. And so uh, Corey Joseph makes $7.6 million this season, has a player option for next season, which I think if, if he has a successful season, he will most likely exercise. And then Lucas Nogueira, $2.9 million this season, and then he becomes a restricted free agent. So if he plays really well, the Hornets have the option of retaining him at, or, or trying to retain him, match if they want to. And if not, they let him go. And then Lamb... You trade away Lamb, which you're going to have, I think, you know, you use that MLE later on to get another wing, and so you're going to have a glut there. So you you let Lamb go because he has $7 million the next season. You get rid of that, and I think you open yourself, you open the books up a little bit in that, in that next season. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the things we've been saying, you're getting a sure thing, right? You're getting a proven guy out of this draft that you know can play, and maybe you can add a guy later. We could talk about our, who we actually did pick here in a sec, but um, we would have had a shot at a couple other guys we profiled, Doug, Zach Collins, uh, Justin Jackson also fell below 11. Um, and even Luke Kennard uh, fell a bit as well. So that's what I mean. I mean, you keep going and, and, and we ended up with the 23rd pick, uh, sorry, 24th pick. Is that right? 23rd, no, 23rd pick, pick, 23rd, 23rd pick. pick. Um, and, and, and there was still talent to be had and the guy that we had profiled was still there. Okay, let's talk about who we decided to take with the 23rd pick. Leading up to the pick, Harry Giles went 20th. Uh, one guy that I really wanted to target, Sime Ojale uh, from SMU, went 21st to the Thunder. I was disappointed by that. 
And uh, Luke Kennard actually dropped to 18. Uh, Terrence Ferguson went 16th. Zach Collins did go at 15th. Uh, So the available players that we had on the board at the time, uh, Justin Patton went 22nd to the Nets. So we had uh, guys like Collins, John Collins from Wake Forest, who fell way down, uh, Tony Bradley from North Carolina, exciting uh, upside center prospect, uh, Jordan Bell from Oregon, Derek White, who I'm really high on as a point guard prospect, though we did uh, just trade for a backup point guard. Uh, But eventually, you and I debated this quite a bit uh, leading up to the pick and then when we were uh, on the clock, and we eventually decided to go with John Collins from Wake Forest University, who right now is uh, 16th on Chad Ford's big board. He's ranked, uh, he's really projected to go around 14, 15, 16, and he fell all the way to 23, David. Uh, Why do you think he fell that far, and why did we end up taking him? Well, I know we ended up taking him. Uh, I, I, I stood firm on that one. I just wanted to add his athleticism. Like I said, I fell in love with his with his tape. And if you go back and listen to our profile of him, he brought a lot of the same things that um, I like in, in, uh, in, in Donovan Mitchell. But, yeah, the value there was, I think, um, hard for me to pass up, hard for us to pass up as well. Um, and I think we were going through, like, right at that point, like it was either going to be Patton or Collins, I think. Um, at least that's where I had it slotted. And like you said, it was about three or four guys right before us that were in the mix and they all got taken. Um, <clears throat> so I think Collins, it's almost like Collins got forgotten. And I think, well, that's a, yeah, I think, I, I think a lot of that did. had to do with that. He's, he's got that old school game and, you know, he, he's being compared to like Enos Cantor and Al Jefferson, mm-hmm. and he's not sort of modern NBA material or what people think of as sort of modern big and and that scared a lot of our podcasting friends away. Um, but reports are from Chad Ford that he's impressing scouts with his shooting ability. So yep. you know, I, I think we I think we got a steal, David. I do think we got a steal too. But some of the big names, I mean, look at some of the big names that fell as well, like Collins fell, Terrence Ferguson. I mean, Kennard to fall that far, and then there was still you know a higher, probably a higher ceiling guy, and Giles was sitting there. Uh, let's see, 20. So I think that's a guy that we probably would have grabbed possibly with our pick if he had gone that far. So, yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy when that worked out that we were add that we were able to add John Collins after, uh, after falling back. We did try and we did, we did have a half-hearted effort to trade back up um, offering up the Plumley contract for anyone w- wondering about that. No takers, no takers on that no. contract. In fact, a few, a few rejections, <laughs> a few silent stares felt over email. Uh, so that's that's the pick. Uh, John Collins from Wake Forest at 23, and then we also acquire. And that was the other important thing with that trade back is that we didn't want to completely trade out of the draft for two no. years in a row. We didn't think that that was a very smart move. We still wanted to make a pick, and we certainly, I think when when at least for me when we traded back, I thought, well, we'll get to take a home run swing on a guy and stash him in Greensboro. But I really think with the John Collins pick, everything that you're hearing about him, he's not going to be available at 23, I I, I really don't think. No. Um, so, But I think everything you're hearing about him uh, is that he is um, uh, definitely a little bit more NBA-ready than some of these bigs, uh, ha- has the ability to score against NBA talent. So uh, I, I think we got, uh, I think we got some really young. good... Yeah, I think we and that's the thing is like what what's the main thing that the Hornets need to add in this offseason? It's depth, depth, depth. I think we did that with uh, Nogueira too. I think people hear that name 
and and they think of a D-leaguer because, you know, he got traded three or four times before ever playing a legitimate NBA minute for Toronto. But last season, they really called on Noguera and, and started him for 20-plus uh, games and really called on him to be a, a rim protector and a difference maker. And uh, he he did that. I mean, he was 1.6 blocks uh, per game in his season last season. I, I just don't mm-hmm. think—I think he's a player that's definitely— on the rise and still has a lot of potential to grow and is a legitimate shot blocking center and and plays physically and and I think that that was a good addition for the Hornets as well and I think it's important yep. to note again that we were very salary conscious on this we did not take on any more water onto this boat and, and like you mentioned um, I think you mentioned in there that or uh, we were thinking that you know the, the options are limited for this team in the offseason that's something we've talked about since the season ended so we wanted to utilize as much of the draft as we could adding basically three players in the first round is certainly a way to do that they're going to be limited with what they can do you talked about the mid-level exception and the biannual exception they they'll be able to uh, to tap at some point but yeah I mean it's not <clears throat> the sexiest thing, because like you said, we 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 passed up on Donovan Mitchell, a guy I just was raving about, a guy who I'm screaming from the mountaintops <laughs> for them to take. And so I would understand um, frustration and trading back on draft night. But um, if you can, you know, it, I think it worked out relatively well in this make-believe scenario to add some guys that you otherwise wouldn't uh, be able to. All right, well, that, that'll do it for us. Uh, by the way, Donovan Mitchell mocked to the Hornets in the latest uh, Chad Ford mock draft. So, uh, oh, boy. Oh, and real oh quick, uh, Jonathan Gavoni of Drives Express is reporting on a few of the names we can expect to see in the NBA Green Room on June 22nd. Lonzo Ball, Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Markel Foltz, Zach Collins, I should say, Markel Foltz, Jonathan Isaac, Josh Jackson, Lowry Market, and Malik Monk, Dennis Smith, and Jason Tatum have all been confirmed. More names are expected to come out this week and round out the list of first-round invitees. And I think you can definitely expect Donovan Mitchell to be one of those. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Keep those draft questions coming. Shoot them to Hornets. Uh, buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com or on the contact page on LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow for more draft analysis. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America, let's swarm Charlotte.